Uh, will you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, the Gospel of John? We are reading chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, with this mini-series of the f- first chapter of the book of John. And the next week, uh, John Park will be here preaching from verses 14 through 18, and, and it's all about remembering the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is uh, the reason why we have these Christmas trees and all these um, signs to the celebration that we have during this season. So let us um, read from God's Word. This is the Word of God. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have been so gracious and merciful with us by giving us the right to become your children through faith in Christ. Something that does not come from us, but from you. You have given us the privilege of understanding the true meaning of this season. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word to give us light, to show us the way. And we thank you that you have also given us the Holy Spirit who has opened the eyes of our hearts to see the gospel, but also to understand and discern your will every time we read it, we read your word. May you help us uh, today as we consider these verses to praise your name, to give you all glory, to worship you from our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to picture a international student coming into uh, the States. This is not a very realistic picture today because with all the social media and globalization, we, we know that people around the world knows, um, they know a lot of things, including, um, to some extent, a little bit of the understanding what Christmas is like or what Christmas is, what is the meaning of Christmas. I, I have that assumption, but, but let's picture an international student that is coming, and he just came on December, and he landed here in Philadelphia, and he goes in his Uber to a hotel, and he starts to look at uh, the Christmas lights and the Christmas trees, and, and he's thinking, wow, this is, uh, this, there is a festivity going on here in the city uh, this month. And uh, he see all the beautiful... Um, decoration around, and, and the, the Uber driver have, um, I think it's 98.1 radio station or something like that, that is 24-7 
Christmas music all the time, and he's saying, oh, and all the songs that he's hearing in the car are about Christmas, and, and I'll be home for Christmas, and etc. And he's thinking, wow, um, this must be a very special event here in this city. And then he gets to the hotel, and to complete his picture, he turned on the TV, but he happens to watch an episode of Samfield, where uh, the father of George Costanza is explaining to Kramer a uh, 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 festivals for the rest of us, which is a festivity that he has created, and he's explaining that that festivity is about getting together with the family and telling each other their grievances, how he, they are upset about each other. Um, think about what, what that international student will have in his mind. He will say, wow, this Christmas festivity in the city is something. It's something that I have never <laughs> seen before anywhere in the world. And, uh, and you can see that the world can have different ideas of Christmas. One day, years ago, my friend Leo from China, he sent me this picture of a Santa, a, a crucified Santa Claus on a store. Uh, think about that. <laughs> a crucified Santa Claus on a store. That was their Christmas decoration in that store that they were selling cloth or whatever they were selling. But people create all uh, ideas or all kind of ideas about what Christmas is about. But, but let's stop talking about those who don't they say, understand or comprehend the meaning of Christmas, think about us. The challenge that we Christians have is that this season can also distract us from the real meaning of Christmas. We see all the decoration that is beautiful. Uh, if you are like my son, Sam, who loves Christmas trees, he'll, you'll see Christmas trees and you'll feel happy about them and You'll see, you'll, maybe you enjoy Christmas music um, and the, all the different things that come with the festivity that you forget what is the real meaning of Christmas. That all these beautiful things that are great, are good, the trees are supposed to point us to what is the real meaning of Christmas, which is to think about Christ. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of God, but we can get distracted with all the beautiful things that are meant to point us to something greater. And this is that Christmas is about the coming of God, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of the Son of God into the world to bring salvation, to bring joy to the nations. And Every year when we get to this season, we have this mini-series of Advent in churches because we are, we are called to, to go back to remember what is the real meaning of Christmas rather than letting, letting us be distracted by these great things that we have around but that can move us the attention, move the attention from us from the real thing, which is that Christ came into the world. And this is what this passage is about. This passage is about the coming of Jesus. And you can get an easy outline of these verses. It's not uh, so mystery in this way. One is that Jesus came. Second, that some reject him. Not in the past, but even present, reject him. 
Third, that some receive him. And finally, John closes this section explaining why some receive him. Why some receive him. So Jesus came. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. If you remember from last week, what John started to do is to place Jesus in the context of eternity. Remember, Matthew connects Jesus with Abraham. Luke connects Jesus with Adam and Eve. Mark goes straight to explain or to talk about Jesus' ministry. John goes back into eternity to show us that Jesus was there before everything that is created was created. Not only that, John tells us that Jesus is God and that Jesus is with God, which means that Jesus is divine, but also that the Godhead uh, have three persons, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is God. Jesus is divine. Also, John tells us that Jesus created everything that exists, and nothing that exists was not created it was, if it wasn't for him. Jesus is the creator of everything. By that point, John is pointing us to say, glory to Jesus. Jesus is God. We should worship Jesus because Jesus is God, creator and sustainer of his creation. Then John also tells us in verses 6 through 8 that God sent his messenger, John the Baptist, to announce the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That his mission was not to shine, but to point people to the true light. And the true light and the true life is our Lord Jesus Christ. What was his mission? His mission was that everybody will believe in Jesus. That Jesus was the life and that Jesus was the light. And if you remember by, by that time in our study of that test last week, I was encouraging us to say we are also called to be witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ into the world, to be witness of this light. Now here, Paul, uh, sorry, John transitions into talk about, talking about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says the true light which gives life to everyone was coming into the world. We know that when he says the true light, He's referring to Jesus because in previous verses, he said that Jesus is the life and the life is the light of man. So Jesus is the light. Therefore, he's saying the true light is, the true light is Jesus was coming into the world. There is also an interesting thing in that word that we have here, true. Uh, there are two words, at least in Greek, that could be translated as true. One is aletheis and the other one aletinos. When we look at aletheis, it means it's the contrast between what is true or false. Between what is true or false. And that's not the word behind true here, but the word aletinos, which is the contrast between a partial or complete. So another way to translate that is the real or the genuine light was coming into the world. What John is making us realize here is that the world offers many lights. 
in the sense of many kinds, different hopes. And you know, people are looking for lights, for hopes, for finding a, a meaning or a, a hope for the future for themselves, and they find it in different ways. But Jesus is the true light, is the only real, genuine hope for this world. There is nothing else but the light that brings Jesus into the world. And he was coming, and he came to give light to everyone. And you may wonder, but, but I know that not everyone accepts the light of Jesus. Paul, I mean, John is going to say it right away in the following verse. Sorry that I'll be referring to Paul all the time because I'm transitioning from Galatians to, to John. But, but you'll see that not everyone receives and accepts Jesus. But John is telling us that the light gives that this light gives light to everyone. It is because Jesus comes into the world, and if you think about 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we are the aroma of Christ, and we are the aroma, an aroma of life to life, an aroma of death to death. So the true light exposes the sin of men, bring people to Christ, bring people to salvation, but also confront people with the true gospel. Think about this. There is no other religion uh, in, I'd probably will say in, around the world, but even here in America, that is known as attack as Christianity in the sense of people really feel uncomfortable with the message of Christianity because it exposes the condition of human beings. Though, so this true light shines to those who will reject him, but also to those who will accept him. And he was, our Lord Jesus Christ, was coming into the world. Jesus created the world. And there was no a moment or instant in the history of the world where Jesus have not, be, have not been present here. He's been here because Jesus is, as God, is omnipresent. But when John is saying that Jesus was coming into the world, He's referring to what we will be studying next week from, chapter, from verse 14. It's about his incarnation. So Jesus took flesh and came into the world. Think about this solemn thought. God himself came to visit the people of this world. How many, uh, how many things are done and logistical things and are done in a city uh, like Philadelphia when an important person is coming to visit the city. A uh, few years ago, I don't want to mention the character that came, but a person came and the whole city was almost paralyzed and there were all kind of things that were done in preparation for the coming of another human being who is another uh, broken, fallen, fallen person in the world. But here we're talking about God coming into the world. The true light. The genuine light. The real light. The only real hope for humanity came into the world. Now, John tells us that some reject him. He was in the world and the world was, was made through him, yet the world did not know him. There is a plate of words with the word world in this verse. Two 
times this world is mentioned in reference to the whole world, creation. He was in the world means, you could say, even in creation, the world witnessed him. And the world, everything that exists, human beings and creatures and plants and everything was made through him. And the last word refers to people. And yet the world did not know him. So there is a sense that we could say that here uh, John is saying that Jesus has been always in the world because the whole creation witness or bear witness about the divine nature of God. The whole creation points to God. And the world was made through him. Everything that bear witness to that fact that God created everything. But the world did not know him. We know from Romans chapter 1 that men suppress the truth that is evident to them. But also there is a sense in which, if we look at this in the context of what John is saying here, that he's referring to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world, who was in the world, the world that was made through him, and the world, those who were around Jesus in Jesus' time, they did not know him. They did not acknowledge him as God. They did not recognize him as the creator, sustainer, savior of the world. But they saw him as another man, or even worse, as a, fa- as a false prophet. But I would say that there is a sense in which this is applicable to our time today. Because we have the testimony of the coming of Jesus in his word, in God's word. And the world was made through him, and yet the world continued to disregard and reject him. Thus happened, has happened throughout the history of the world. Before Jesus came, when Jesus came and up today. But then John goes more specific to talk about a group of people. A group, a group of people that were his own people. He says, he came to his home, and his own people did not receive him. Who were his own people? His own people were Israel, the Jewish people. They knew about him because the scriptures reveal about him and his coming and detailed all the events that will happen at his coming. Yet, his own people did not receive him. His own people did not receive him. Now, what is to receive Jesus? I think that that's an important question that um, John will answer a little bit about in the following verses. But what is to receive Jesus? To receive Jesus is to acknowledge who he is. And he has declared to us already that in, in, in the previous verses that he is God, that he is the sustainer and creator of everything that exists, that he is divine. To receive, to receive Jesus is to recognize our that we are coming from him, that he was 
the one who created us and that we do not meet his standard because we are sinners. To receive Jesus is to understand that he came to save us from our sin. That he came to, to go to the cross and pay on the cross the punishment that we should deserve so that we could have salvation through his work on the cross. To receive Jesus is to worship Jesus. You, don't, you cannot have Jesus in front of you knowing who he is and not to worship him. To receive Jesus is to love Jesus. To love him more than anything else. To receive Jesus is to rejoice in Jesus' presence. That is to receive Jesus. His own didn't, know, they didn't do that. They did not receive Jesus. Now, we move to the third point, which is some actually receive him. John says this famous verse. I think that if you ever went to an evangelism uh, training, they taught you maybe using this verse as a way to, to, to present, to offer the gospel to others. It says, but to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who received and believed in his name. At Jesus' time, there were people who received and believed in his name. His disciples and many others who followed him from a genuine heart. They believed, they received him, they welcomed him, they, they, they got to understand that Jesus was God. I wouldn't say that that, that was so obvious from this first sight Remember, it took some time for them to, to understand that. It was a process for them to understand that he has the power to control nature, that he has the power to give life to those who are dead, that he has the power to forgive sins, that he has the power to come back from, from the dead, and he has the power to go up to God the Father to, sit, to be seated at his right hand. It took some time for them to understand that, but they got to understand it. And whoever at that time and today received and believed in his name, believed that he is God, that he is God, his name is to believe his identity, that he is God, he gave the right to become children of God. This is what we call adoption. And let me just I give you a little bit of theology, theology on this part. Remember, we have been appointed before the foundation of the world, those who are to be saved. And at some point, God sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts and he gave us, he gave us new life, which is regeneration in our hearts. And that's what gives us faith in Christ. And when we put our faith in Christ, we are declared as just, that is that we are justified. And once we are justified, we are adopted as children of God. Next is our sanctification, and then, eventually, our glorification. But think about this. You have given, by faith in Jesus, the right to become a child of God. And let me say something here. 
Um, I would say maybe God could have saved you and saved you and spared you from eternal condemnation and give you uh, eternal life. But he just not only give you that, but he gave you the right to be called his child. You are a child of God. If you have received Jesus into your heart and believe in his name. Remember all the beautiful things that point us to or should point us to Christ that could become a distraction, never should become a distraction from the, re- from the real joy of Christmas. Christ came, the Lord of Lords came, and if you trusted in him, you have become a child of God. That is what should make us Celebrate. Rejoice. But then John, in verse 3, explained why and whom believe or receive Jesus. He says, Who were born not of blood, nor of will of flesh, nor of will of man. He gives us three things that a child of God is not. And here are different theological interpretations on this, but I give you when we I give you a few of them or or a summary of them. Basically when, when we talk about not of blood, it means that you don't become a child of God because you are just because you are because your parents are Christian or your grandparents are Christians. It is true that that we have covenant children and there is a promise. There is a promise. For us as believers. But at some point our children will have to confess Jesus as their Savior. They could not go to heaven and say at heaven, well, I did not believe, but my father believed. So, so I am a, a member of the kingdom. No, it's not of blood, nor of will of the flesh. And here James Boyce would say this is referring to emotions. It's not an emotional uh, Encounter with God that I feel right now these emotions to say that I believe in Jesus and therefore I become a child of God. And no of will of man is no determination. You can have determination to achieve things in life and be successful, but no determination will get you to heaven. Only the will of God. Only that God in his love have appointed you to receive the spirit of God. To open your eyes. To see the truth of the gospel. To trust in Jesus. To believe in him. Believe in his name. To receive him. So that you are adopted as his child. Praise the Lord. This is what Christmas is about. So, yes, you can listen to your Christmas music. You can uh, put up your decoration at home. And, but all this should never become a distraction from the real meaning of Christmas. It is about Jesus. And Jesus alone. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you... Love us so much 
that you sent your only son, our Lord Jesus, to this world to die on the cross for us. We thank you for opening the eyes of our hearts for those of us who have been opened by you. We thank you for that miracle of regeneration. And we also pray for those, Lord, that we know our friends and relatives and neighbors and co-workers, classmates, that still don't know you, that, that this Christmas season will be an opportunity for them to see the true meaning of Christmas, which is about you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.